Hello all, welcome back to the No Run Podcast. I'm Conor O'Hickey and today we're joined with Gloucestershire cricket player, Will Naish. How are we doing, Will? Yeah, all well, good, thanks, Connor. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, no it's worries. Great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Right, so to jump straight into it, why cricket? What was your earliest memories of what pulled you into cricket? What's that sort of thing to get you going into it? Um, to be honest, I can't really remember, actually. Um, I think it's just one of those things where I moved to the area and I think sort of a few of my mates were down playing cricket and I was like, oh, let's just give it a go, see what it's like. And enjoyed it sort of was actually okay at it just enjoy trying to whack the ball as far as I could um and then like throw it and bowl it as fast as I could so I think that's sort of the the way I got into it and then just carried on playing ever since yeah the simplicity of that sort of sort of stuff is always the good bit it's not where you the, if you're coming into cricket or a sport where you've got the pressures of someone else playing or a, a parent or a, a grandparent or yeah. a grand and you want to kind of follow this so if it's just you wanting to have a have a go at it and you're finding it fun that's always a great way to get into it uh, so uh, what age did you get into the Gloucester Academy? Um, I think the academy would have been when I was year eight so 12, 13 um, so end of year eight actually yes so 12 or 13 um, but I'd been playing through the age group since under 10 um, so I've been through the pathway and then was on the EPP and then joined the academy and say I think end of year eight, start of year nine. Nice. So what was the sort of pathway around that sort of bit before the start of getting into the academy? What was your kind of run of cricket before then? Um, so I had the EPP, so the Emerging Player Programme, which was one or two nights a week in the winter, working with Tim Hancock and Steve Cashmore, just with another, a load of other groups of lads who were also on the EPP. Um, so it was just a programme of more cricket really to be honest away from your clubs and that sort of stuff so yeah I think they were like Tuesday and Thursday nights and sort of just kept on playing. Right so once you got into the Gloucester Academy then what kind of changed from what you were doing beforehand what did it kind of progress into in still the early ages of cricket? Yeah so I think the big change actually was more the the volume of hitting balls and the volume of bowling balls so I think the academy we trained Wednesdays and Sundays so Wednesday evenings was like a three, four hour session, maybe. Yeah, so it's like a three hour session, but with the optional fourth hour if you could get there early. Um, so and then Sundays was pretty much running from 9 a.m. to 1, 2 in the afternoon. So just, yeah, as I said, like hitting more balls, bowling more balls and doing more than everyone else. So just the, the volume of cricket increased a lot from being on the academy. Yeah, as as you could kind of expect, because it's obviously mm. proper going up. That's when it's getting starts getting kind of serious. What kind of age did you start thinking? Oh, hang about, I'm not actually that bad at this. Or I'm going to give it a proper proper go. I think, um, well, I was quite lucky that I played a lot of rugby whilst I was younger as well. So I was playing rugby to the same level I was playing cricket at until probably two years ago, where I sort of realised that maybe I can try and take one of these two quite seriously. Um, but then injured my shoulder playing rugby. So then I was like, sort of don't fancy keep on getting injured sort of playing rugby. So sort of cricket was something which I then wasn't able to play cricket because I had a bad shoulder. And I was like, well, actually, I've really missed this. So I think from playing rugby and then not playing cricket, I was like, well, actually, I think I quite miss playing cricket. So then 
just put all my eggs in one basket when I was about 16, 17. And so, so far it's going well. Um, just need to continue, continue going forward. Yeah, that's, 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 that's all right then. Because cricket, you can't play in the rain. So that's always another, exactly, another bonus. Yeah. Sack rugby off cricket, it's summer. You sit outside, enjoy the sun and stuff like that. Definitely. But uh, so uh, you played in the Bunbury Festival when you were 14, 15. Um, yeah. You captained the team, didn't you? What was that experience like? Yeah, amazing, really. Um, I was at, I was very lucky to actually go twice. So I went the year early as well. So that was sort of more sort of, I'd say, a great learning experience. I didn't expect to be batting high up or bowling a lot, but ended up batting six the majority of the game, four in a couple of them, and did okay. Um, didn't do as well as I would have liked, but then to then have the opportunity to go back the second year, with my own age group and captain the side was just amazing, really. Um, just the lot of responsibility I had, the coaches sort of took a backward step and was like, it's all down to you. I was like, okay. So had sort of quite a lot of pressure and that sort of stuff. So that was quite nice. And But then also you get the confidence because obviously the coaches are believing in you because yeah. they're not saying as much. Therefore, they can sort of like, it gives you that confidence that they believe in you. So that's quite nice. It's kind of like the, the first kind of opportunity within your young career where you've been able to take that sort of level of responsibility from the coaches because through age group, you, you, you have captains, but it's still mainly the coaches shaping the team, leading yeah. the way for the team. But it's kind of at that point where it's a transition because as you get into the under 17s, 18s, that's when it's like more responsibility on a, on yeah, a player. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think that's where you can do your most learning as well because we lost the first game of that tournament which I think was down to a little bit of nerves from everyone, to be honest. Sort of, we didn't, a few of us didn't know what to expect, that sort of stuff. But then we had a quite just a debrief at the end of the game and we wanted to improve on a couple of points and came back for the rest of the four or five games and we didn't look like losing, to be honest. So then we won the tournament, both 50 over competition and T20. So came out with a great result at the end of the week. Yeah, that's fantastic. And especially... Because it's, it's a, 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 a short tournament and it's just over like four or five days, I believe. Isn't mm. it? So it's if you have if you get off onto a losing start, it's going to be quite easy for it to stay that way. It's the yeah, definitely. set, but it definitely does show a the character from you from leading the team, a the character from the team for following to put mm. that behind and focus on uh, what you need to work on to to carry on to have success in the tournament. But cricket aside from the tournament, what was that? What was the the Bunbury Festival like? Because obviously. Loads of mm. England greats has been the first time they've ever yeah. showcased their talents and stuff like that. You're like Michael Vaughan, Joe Roots. And so what was the uh, other side of it like? Yeah, so it was great sort of not only just to get to know the other lads and that sort of stuff, because you play with people in different regions and that sort of stuff. But then there was like stuff in the evenings that was put on. So sometimes like normally because like Nando's are quite sort of invested into the festival, but there's no Nan there was no Nando's near Millfield. So they came to us, which was quite nice. So they put up like an outdoor Nando stand and all that. So David really? English is quite sort of big on bringing everyone together. There was yeah. a karaoke after and that sort of stuff. So I think just, it was great sort of for bringing everyone together, making it sort of quite a special event. So that was quite nice. Yeah, and even if the ones that are unfortunate enough not to go on to play in a professional career, mm. they still have an experience they take with them. I know yeah, a few people that have 
played at the festival, the not gone on to be pro cricketers, and that's something they talk about being a really cool experience. So it's like I feel like stuff like that is important into a young professional's career, whether it's regardless of kind of any sport. Yeah. You need to kind of have like the the, the memories of why you did the sport. So I was um, speaking to a former Gloucester Academy player the other week, and he was saying that even though he didn't unfortunately make it, he still takes all these little things like playing at Bunbury, playing winter in Australia. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about building up the value of life and taking what else you can from just playing the sport. Yeah, definitely. Completely agree. And I think well, from all of the people I, I played with at that festival, I'm still in contact with them today and I don't see them on a regular, but it's just like still being in contact, checking up how they're yeah. doing. So some of them are at uni, some of them have gone away this winter, some are still playing cricket and then one of them is playing professional cricket, professional football, sorry. So wow. it's like, so it's, all of them are doing well and it's just great to still be in contact with them all, to be honest. Yeah. So following Bunbury Festival, uh, you're still in the Gloucester Academy. What, what's kind of the, the situation with you uh, there then following that? Yeah. So I uh, finished school last year um, and then signed my first two year deal with the club on a rookie contract. So training full time throughout the winter and summer Um and sort of just that next step post academy before signing a real time professional contract, really. So it's just that sort of next level up, which is nice. So I've been playing second team all summer, um, and yeah, so that's been that's been quite nice. And now just looking to try and put some performances in to try and knock on the door for any potential first team appearances. Yeah. So following leaving school. Obviously, it's going to be a, to go into a pro environment. What's that kind of been like? Because obviously, you don't normally play yeah. or train cricket full time in a winter, and then ready for the summer, you kind of do a bit part because it's you're not got everything else on. But um, yeah, what's I that kind of step up been like with Gloucester, it's been a, like really good because I was at Clifton for my sixth form. Therefore, because it's quite close, there's a good connection. So I was in two, three times last year. Just even if I was just like net bowling or doing some fielding and that sort of stuff, but. There was a buddy system. So one of the pros would be buddied up with an academy player. So I had Ryan Higgins as my buddy. So wow, yeah. whenever I sort of went in, he'd always, I'd always like be bowling with him and that sort of stuff. And he'd be chatting sort of through sort of stuff with me, asking how my game's going. And so you then begin to sort of get to know people quite well because everyone's like, oh, sort of, how are you? That sort of stuff. It's yeah. probably one of the most like honest dressing rooms as well. So everyone just sort of gets on there's no sort of egos or anything like that everyone's just happy to get on with each other um share each other's success and yeah it's just a great sort of environment to be in really that's fantastic you don't often you don't tend to see that in mm. those welcoming dressing rooms in professional sports so that's 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 cool. nice to hear um yeah, so you had this season kind of you went to dubai i believe yeah. or yeah for your pre-season how was that yeah, amazing. Again, sort of to go out there as a whole squad and train in Dubai for 10 days, play a couple of games. It was just brilliant, really. Um, again, brought everyone closer, even though we were close anyway, we sort of almost got a bit more closer, which when you're going through some tough periods that you're able to stick together and come out hopefully on, on the right end of things. So that's, that's a real bonus that we've got here at Gloucester. So that's a great, great feeling, really. Yeah, so for the season, obviously you're playing the seconds and you're you're targeting as much as you possibly can to break in 
uh, to the two A, one of their first teams this season. Have you got yeah. a, a realistic aim for? Because obviously the hundreds coming up, and then the squads. There's quite a few players from the squad going there. So yeah, definitely. Would the one day cup be something you're kind of tar targeting this season? Yeah, I think sort of looking at sort of the lads that are going off for the 100. I think we've got five or six, maybe more, that are going off. So we've got a squad of 20-ish at the moment. So therefore, that just leaves you with only 14, 15 players. So uh, an, an easier route in. Um, so definitely, I think, targeting the one-day cup and trying to get a few appearances in there and see if we can come away with some wins and get as far as possible. Because I think we got to the quarterfinals last year. So I think try and do one better and hopefully two better this year. Yeah. What do you, I didn't make any notes for this, but I just had a thought into it. What did you think of them shifting away the final from Lords to Trent Bridge, the one day cup I final? Think, yeah. I think speaking to a few of the lads in the dressing room just about, because obviously we won it in 2015. Yeah. And being at Lords is probably just, that's where you want to play the final. I think it's, it's just almost a little bit different, I suppose. I think you always look forward to a oh, final at Lords or something like that. But now it's final at Trent Bridge. Yes, a great ground, but I don't think it would be the same as what it was at Lords. Yeah, exactly. It's like I kind of kind of see, see it as the when like the playoffs were at Wembley in, in mm. football, for example. Like that's that's kind of what everybody's great. This the status yeah. of playing at that. It's what the history is. Yeah, I definitely. feel I feel they could have done. They it's, it's one game. They could have kept. They kept. Could have reached yeah, one game around. Yeah, one game, you need to just put a wicket for one game. That's all exactly. It's and it's, it's not like it's not going to be a one-day wicket anyway as the hundreds going on. So they could mm. probably just put London Spirit in an away game. And yeah. It, so it, they could have done it if they wanted to, but I, I thought that was a bit um, bit silly, but yeah. Mm. Um, so looking back on your career so far, has there been any particular coach or any particular moment that's had like a, a an outstanding impact in your in your head that you can think of that's kind of shaped the way you play a game or shaped the way you think? So I think going back for when playing started first playing adult cricket, I think is the main thing because um, you can play as much junior cricket, but that's not going to make you a, a professional cricketer really because you need to be playing against men and that sort of stuff. So I think to be given the opportunity, opportunities I was at Froster from such a young age um, where sort of our captain, Nick Trainer, who played for Gloucestershire before and that sort of stuff, he opened me in the batting for our second team at Froster, which was in Weppel two or three at the time. So it's still a pretty high standard. I was only 12 or 13 opening the batting. Right. And so I got 100 in my third game, but the first two games I felt so far like out of my depth, but then kept getting backed and backed. And then I think my third or fourth game, I got 100 and sort of then you get that confidence. And then two weeks later, I was in the first team making my debut and I was 13. So I was just like... Yeah to be able to have these opportunities is just amazing and to be backed. And that's just the best thing really is just to have that confidence from someone giving you that confidence is just the best feeling ever because you can go out and play your game and know that they know that you're, you can do it. So that was probably the best thing is by playing adult cricket from a young age. Putting the faith in you is something that I feel just club cricket in general should probably do a bit more because definitely you, completely agree. You see the clubs with their academies, um, but then they get to the, like the under 15s and the 16s, but then they want to kind of push the, uh, yeah. the men's stuff, but they don't get in a run out. Like the, the other week, I was playing uh, just a, a cricket game, and the the third man in the, the third ah sorry excuse me, um, they had a, they had a kid batting at three, 
Yeah. And he was probably about 13, 14 yeah. at best. And obviously, he's not going to be the one to hit the boundaries or score quickly. No, definitely, he was, yeah. He, he, he came in and had a solid technique. And it's just like, well, I've been told he's, he's batting three all, all season, no matter what. So it's, it's just seeing that faith. That it's yeah, in. that's sort of exactly what exactly right, really. So if you can have that confidence in someone and just say, for this person's development, we think yeah. he can go quite far. If we just give him a season of this, we think, although he might struggle at times, but he'll come away better from it because it's also who you're playing with as well. At yeah. that point in that second team I was with at Frost, I had like two ex-professionals playing in there. A few like current people trying to play first team cricket at Froster. So they're always trying to push on. And I think you're learning from a lot of people. So even if you only get 10 runs, when you're in the field, you're learning about different field placements, sort of what you need to be doing off the ball and that sort of stuff. So I think just even generally you're always learning by playing adult cricket. Yeah, absolutely. I, I um the All Stars and um, Dynamo's cricket's obviously been a fantastic new mm-hmm. uh, initiative, um, new system to get people into cricket, following like the hundred stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but the, the, you do see it is a is a big gap between what is actually cricket. Yeah, so completely. Obviously, yeah. it gets people involved and stuff, but they still you're still down on to clubs and people mm-hmm. to give people kids opportunities to actually yeah. get their way. And so I think cool. you see sometimes in those dynamos that some people are actually quite good mm. um, and that they need to probably be challenged a little bit more. So then they can go up to the next level yeah. and that sort of stuff. And I think it's just not being shy to give people opportunities yeah. if they need it. Absolutely. So what, what would your targets be for this season? Obviously get into uh, the first team at some point, but do you have... Mm. Uh, uh, a, a set target of runs you want to score or set target of wickets you want to take? Um, no, I don't tend to set many targets on runs and wickets because then sometimes I feel like I can then try and force it or try and put too much pressure on myself to do it. So I try and manage myself on how I feel as much as possible. Um, so if I feel like I'm moving well at the crease and if my run-up's smooth when I'm bowling, then I feel like I'm in a good place. Um, then I won't need to dwell too much on if I'm always, say, nicking off or anything like that, then that's a technical aspect. So I think try and measure myself on how I feel rather than always how I do. But then that becomes an element. You could feel amazing for 10 runs and always get out. But (laughs) it's just getting that balance between how am I feeling good, but then am I getting myself out or have I got a good ball sort of thing? Yeah, that's a a good way to look at it because it it reduces the the external pressure. Yeah. Because if you're constantly thinking about, I've got to score all, all these runs or I've got to take all these wickets, then you can go searching and you, you're not focused on the, the right things. Yeah, um, so especially early in your career, making sure you don't have the unnecessary pressures at this moment is a, is a, is a fantastic way to keep focused. And Because if you're feeling well, you're feeling like you're batting well, the ball bowling well, you're more yeah. likely to progress to the, the first team or... Uh, get better opportunities rather than if yeah, you, say, think, you have one good game and you score 150 mm. but you're feeling like it's a scratchy one yeah and also I think just cricket's confidence mental really um, you can have as much skill or as little skill but if you're willing to like be mentally switched on and that sort of stuff and can always find a way to switch on then I think you're going to be in a better place with everything so I think 
from a young age of not young age so since being on the academy we've worked quite closely with sports psychologists and that sort of stuff on how we can best get the best out of ourselves um and i think a lot of it comes down to what we do pre-delivery and that sort of stuff how we sort of set up and is it repeatable are we doing anything differently when we get out are we doing anything differently when we do well and try and find a correlation into what we do well at the crease to then enable us to score runs really that's something you wouldn't normally associate with academy sports mm -hmm. so do you know if that's around the the game or is it just kind of across the sheer focus not too, not too sure to be honest um i know that it's only been recent thing that the academy at Gloucester have had one. I think it was about the second year I was on the academy. Then Marcus Nell, the psychologist, came in and worked with us as a group to start with, but then always offered his services one to one. So then I think during lockdown, I really tapped into his knowledge. We had one to one chats on Zoom, that sort of stuff. Just although we weren't playing any cricket at the time, it was good just to chat through things and speak about how training is and that sort of stuff and what. I can look at when I come back to playing. Um, so yeah, I think just, I think, yeah, sports psychology is one which really I think does help because it gets you in a good frame of mind. Yeah, massively. It keeps your, keeps your head level. So then you can do all the things that you're supposedly supposed to be good at, but you don't have to be worrying about all the other things. It takes the yeah, pressure, definitely. which I think is fantastic, which I think more teams and uh, sports teams and academies definitely uh, definitely do but then so moving on now the county championships obviously had a lot of chatter about yeah because it's been we got absolutely pasted in the ashes absolutely pasted mm -hmm. and then the west indies wasn't a good good um good good tour either but then we've got a new coach in new captain but there's mm -hmm. still talk of the the championship itself being um too uh filled with two uh excuse me, sorry, uh, filled with too much medio me mediocrity, according to Kevin Peterson. That was really yeah. interesting. Um, have you got any thoughts on how to sharpen that up? And um, if, uh... Yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I haven't really thought too much into it. I think just one thing which I think generally is not wrong, but could be changed is we always seem to play the county championship in April and then in September. So therefore you don't get good wickets. You don't get sort of the best out of everything. Although then on the flip side, you look at the current championship games, the seven, seven weeks we've had, yeah. we've had the most runs scored in ever in the first seven games. So I think, but then is that down to poor bowling, good wickets? Because um, obviously they've changed the Duke ball as well now. So is it down to the ball not swinging? Um, so I think there's a lot that could go into it, but I don't think there's ever going to be a right or wrong way of putting the county championship because there's always going to be some people that will say it's wrong. There's always going to be some people that say it's great, a bit like the 100. Yeah. You're going to have people sitting on the fence. and So I think, yeah, but I think what's different is you play the county championship at the start and the end, but the test series is always in the middle. Exactly. So you don't ever play county championship in the middle. So you're playing on different wickets when you're in championship and then say you're playing test cricket. Yeah. And also another thing from that is you, you've seen the, the pathway from the county championships, the test team being kind of a bit sticky in the last couple yeah. of years. Where, where it's you... a big jump now, isn't there? There's no yeah. there's no real like England lines anymore. There's no, no. 
sort of like progression through. So you go like div one, div two, div one, then straight to the test team. There's no yeah. now like middle ground between, um, which if there is, they only play like two games or one game and you don't really tend to get much from that. I, d I don't yeah. think. I think so. I, I saw yesterday, I was, it was something I, the team I hadn't seen before, but it was the ECB uh, or County Championship selected. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that. So is that kind of, would you think, is a bit like the Lions or? I don't think so, because I think it's sort of picked from, just from like, I could be completely wrong, but from looking at it, all those players that are playing, I don't think would be selected for their teams in T20. Okay. So I think they might be sort of the people that aren't playing in a T20, could be potentially good rebel players, so therefore they get them together. Okay. Um, but I could be completely wrong. Um, they could sort of be a bit of that, but I think it's just a side which are helping New Zealand prep. Um, yeah. But I do think they need to do more England line stuff because there's a complete gap between. Yeah, was, going back a couple of years, the, um, there was a great England Lions team. I remember Ben Duckett got a double century in a, a one day game. Then you got Liam Livingston yeah. playing in that as well. Yeah. The players that are kind of on on the or the fringe or coming into the squad now had that experience of playing Lions, but mm. the players that will be on the next fringe or the next edge yeah. of the squads, they're not going to have that sort of sort of gap, I, I, I guess, which is obviously going to mm. hurt hurt the the pathway even further. Yeah, definitely, and I think also in the Test side with Brendan McCullum coming in and typically being a white ball player, but then also saying that he doesn't, obviously isn't now white ball coach and fully invested in test cricket. I think it's also quite good. Um, new face, completely new dynamic and that sort of stuff. So I think that'll be quite nice. I like the people they've picked for this squad. I think Harry Brook fully deserved coming yeah. in. Could have been very easy to have not picked him because of how he plays, but it's quite nice that they've picked him because he's a quite an aggressive batter and wants to go out yeah. and score runs. So I think that's the way modern cricket's going as well. Do you think he's gonna they're gonna pick him in the team? I want him to get picked, but do you think so? Yeah, I hope he does, but from the way that they've come out and saying Pope's batting three, Roots and four, best of six. So the only way he gets in is if Bairstow has a shocker. Yeah, the only way he gets in is if Bairstow keeps, really. Because yeah. If Bairstow doesn't keep, then folks will be picked at seven mm. and then Bairstow will be at five. So I think the way that it might go is Bairstow at five, Stoke six, Brook seven, or Bairstow seven, Brook five. But Yeah, I think they're going to with folks, to be fair. They like folks. Yeah. He's had an all right start to the season. Yeah. Um, so I saw the other day, Bairstow only averages 27 at five for England. Really? So it's, yeah, his, his runs have come when he's bad at six. Okay. Um, so, so they might good. lob they might lob them at seven with the gloves then you never know but yeah who would you say is, who would you who would you have as your keeper best or folks i'd have best though just so you can play an extra batter oh i like that would you not rate folks as batting though not not really no i think i think he's um, I, I don't i obviously he's done it before and that sort of yeah, stuff yeah. i think best though i think i think he's been amazing the last few years and he has never done anything wrong with the gloves. So that's true. That is true. But folks is your best keeper. That is also true. <laughs> and there's no denying that at all. Yeah, it's just trying to find the balance, to be honest with you. Yeah. But um, 
So, yeah, so on a personal perspective, where do you kind of see yourself in 10 years? If if you think okay, no external factors, no injuries, everything goes as well as it could, where where do you want to see yourself being in 10 years? Uh, I think ideally still playing cricket, really. Um, yeah. Ideally in like cemented in that first team at Gloucester and then knocking on the door for England stuff, really. Um, so, yeah, I think that's obviously the dream, really, just to still be playing professional cricket until I retire, really. Perfect. Well, fantastic. Thank you for coming on today. That that wraps it all up. Um, I hope you have a good rest of the season. No worries. Thank you very much.